Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. All right, well, if you want a seat, have a seat. I'm Pastor Rob, and um, right here I've got two different objects, um, a candle and some salt. These are ordinary, and Jesus is going to use ordinary objects to make an extraordinary point. We, we talked last week a little bit about them, and we're going to circle back and talk about them again. We're in Matthew chapter 5, and I have, uh, actually Mike asked um, Taylor to read for us. Taylor, right there, if you want to read, you can come up here. And we have a tradition sometimes of standing in honor of God's word, so would you stand with me in, in honor of his word? And the words will be projected back here too. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house." In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Thanks, Taylor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and uh, it is life and light for us, and uh, you say we're light and salt. And so help us understand what does that mean uh, for our context, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. any, uh, could I have a couple of volunteers pray for me and pr- as we hear the word preached? Just raise your hand, so thank you. Um, we're continuing our series in Matthew. Matthew began telling us, it's a story about Jesus, telling us who Jesus is. And he begins explaining who Jesus is. And now we're going to hear what he says, what he does. And he, he, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in Matthew? Do you remember? You can shout it out. He's a king. That's right. He's the son of David. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it prophesies this coming king of a kingdom that will never end. He's a king. Who else, who else is Jesus? What do we know? He's Messiah or Christ, right? What else do we know? He's a savior. He's going to save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. He's also called Emmanuel, which means what? Do you remember? God with us. That's right. And he gets baptized in chapter, I think it's chapter 3, maybe it's chapter 2. And the heavens open, and the Father, God the Father speaks, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends upon him. Jesus is unlike anyone else in all of history. He is the Son of God. And we get to chapter 4. And he starts to do ministry. What is he doing? What's that? He's healing. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. And the crowds gather. There's no one like him. He actually doesn't go to Jerusalem where you'd think, okay, this is the, the, the Mecca. This is the center of religious thought. He goes up north to Galilee. And in fulfillment of Isaiah chapter, maybe it's seven, um, the people in darkness have seen a great light. 
the land of the Gentiles. Uh, Jesus is there. He is doing miracles. People are following him. He calls four to follow him, and they obey. They leave everything, and they obey him. And then we get to chapter, chapter 5. Here we begin to hear his message. We, we, the, the big idea of, of Matthew, I think, is um, it's follow the promised king into his kingdom. And so what is the message of this king? What is the message he has for us? What does it look like to follow him? Well, chapter 5 is, is really going to unpack that in what is probably the greatest sermon ever written. Um, it isn't like a sermon you'd hear on a Sunday morning, uh, but uh, it, it has so much truth in it. And so it's been really fun to unpack it. We're, we're going faster than some, slower than others. Uh, we might be in, in this part through March maybe of next year with some of our breaks, the typical breaks we have. Uh, and then we're, we're trying to figure out how, what's the rhythm of going through his miracles and, and parables and, the, and uh, his last days. Um, but as we dig into this, you remember last week, he, gives, he talks about the heart of his followers. And, it, and the, those who are following into this kingdom, the people who are going to possess this kingdom, are very different than what we think of kingdom people or people of our day that, of power and clout, notoriety, fame. He's saying these are, the, these are the poor in spirit. These are the meek, the sorrowful. These are, these, these are the kingdom people are those who um, hunger and thirst not for power and wealth, and greatness, but they hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is remarkable. He's, he, these are people who are not seeking vengeance and lording over other people. These are peacemakers. It's a different kind of kingdom. And these people are actually people who will be persecuted as well, which then they're blessed. He says, yeah, they're, they're blessed. And then we get to chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, which Taylor just read for us. And we hear this pronouncement upon his people, his kingdom people. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is who you are. You are light. You are salt. Something very simple, so, uh, light and salt. You are salt and light. And he's going to unpack what that is, what that's about. And I think we'll see that his followers who have been blessed will turn around and be a blessing to others. Why? That God may get blessing. They exist, his followers exist, to do good, to serve to bless. And it fits with Jesus' Jesus overall message and his way of doing things. He, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, the Bible says, but he emptied himself and became, took on the nature of a servant and, 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 and served to the point of death, even death on the cross in humility. And he calls us to a, a path of meekness. And so here we are, we're able to walk in the path of Christ to follow his steps and be a blessing to others. Be light, be salt, he says, that the watching world might praise him. So if you want to have a, a key phrase here, a key phrase to take away, this is what I think that the takeaway for this passage is, be a blessing so others may bless God. Be a blessing so others may bless God. Pretty simple. When we talk about trying to get it, what is the heart of the text? What is it getting at? So if we were to look at the passage, um, verse, these four verses, the first verse talks about being salt. And then he says, what, what if it lost, it lost its saltiness? It's really not valuable. Then in the next verse, chapter, verse 14, talks about light. You don't put it under a bushel. You don't put it under a, a hide it. Uh, and then verse 16 gives us um, the purpose for this. 
our, our raison d'etre, the, the purpose for being is that we would do good, and we're going to see that throughout Scripture, and that God may get glory, that other people may praise him, that people may, be, may bless the Lord. Let's go back to verse 13 if you have your, your Bibles. What is salt? What's the value of salt? We use salt in so many different ways. I was talking to somebody this, this week. We use it on our roads when it's icy. You know, um, make, we may use it to make ice cream. What's the value of salt? Well, it, it's a, it enhances flavor. It's a flavor enhancer. So there, there's something of a blessing of this substance. What was Jesus getting at? We, we, we can guess at what he's getting at. There's a blessing to the community, to the watching world. If they're seeing God in this saltiness, I think it's because they're experiencing God at work in us. So if you're salt, how do people experience God in you? What is that like? Salt can also be a preservative. So um, I, I took a trip to India uh, last month, so not to August, and I walked the markets. And when we got to the, the markets, there was a fish market, and it smelled um, it was not, uh, they don't have refrigeration. So what do they do? They dry it out. They use salt to preserve the fish. And in Jesus' day, the same was true. I'm sure in Norway or up north, they had ice. But here down in Jerusalem, they use salt as a preservative. And the meat rots without it. In our watching world, our world is decaying. The Bible says the days are evil. And, and we have, in some sense, an opportunity to be, to be who we are as followers of Jesus, a preservative in our society. Salt preserves things. We can be a blessing. Well, what does that really look like? Well, it's interesting. Um, it can involve not only our actions, but our words as well. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, it uses this salty analogy or metaphor saying this, Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Are you gracious in how we speak? You know, we, we probably can all work on, on that. Uh, we bless others in how we speak and how we act. It can be, we can be encouraging. We can be helpful. We can be um, kind and compassionate and gracious and discerning. Is that how we hear speech used in the media? Is that how we hear it in, around town? Is that how we hear it at work? Is that how the world operates? I think the world operates under a different spirit. But the Lord has given his followers the Holy Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, I, I, yeah love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things can flow out of us because the Holy Spirit's in us. And so our speech can be that salty speech, blessing those around us and being counter-cultural. Last week I had a thought, because there's, there's, there's the opposite of that. I had the thought, um, how we speak can have a ripple effect. Sin can have a ripple effect. So I had sinned, I don't know exactly what I did, but I did something and it bothered me. It bothered me so much that I was restless. And because I was restless, I couldn't sleep really well. And because I didn't sleep really well, I woke up irritable. Has that ever happened to you? 
<laughs> I, was, I was short and selfish and self-centered. And so my sin metastasized into like a plague. And so sin can have that, that negative rippling effect. But, but, but then I had the thought later on in the week that righteousness or doing the good thing or blessing others can have the opposite effect as well. It can have an exponential impact to those around you. Your act of kindness might have a ripple effect on someone else and where they are kind and then in turn, or they may not only follow your example, but they may praise your Father in heaven. Here, here's an example of this. President Woodrow Wilson uh, in the early 1900s tells a story about getting his hair cut. He says this, I was sitting in the barber chair when I became aware of a powerful personality who entered the room. And that's Woodrow Wilson, the president, saying that. A man had come quietly in upon the same errand as myself to get his hair cut and sat in the chair next to me. Every word the man uttered, think about salty speech, every word the man uttered, though it was not in the least didactic, so it wasn't teaching per se, showed personal interest in the man who was serving him. He was personally interested in the guy who was cutting his hair. And before I got through with what was being done to me, his haircut, I was aware I had attended an evangelistic service because this man who he's, he was next to was Dr. D.L. Moody or Mr. D.L. Moody, the one over here in Chicago in the chair. He purposely lingered in the room after he, uh, he had left. So Woodrow Wilson stayed there and noted the singular effect that his visit had brought upon the barbershop. They talked in undertones. They didn't know his name. They didn't even know who this was. But they knew something had elevated their thoughts, and I felt that I had left the place as I should have left a place of worship. It is, uh, there's a way for you in your salty speech to impact others where others, they may not be able to put, finger, put their finger on it, but you have had a positive impact, a blessing on others in how you speak. And Jesus invites us on this journey to go with him to a place that he's gone and how he speaks in gracious words and salty speech and salty actions for God's benefit. You know, sometimes when I look at the world, I can get all riled up and maybe you're the same way. I was listening to the radio and I was just torqued. It was like my screws were just all tight and I'm just, I want to yell, you know? I'm like, this is wrong. What can I do about it? What can I do about this big thing out here? And I think, I think sometimes God, God gives us that to pray maybe, but I can't do that. And I, and I think we need to take care of what's right here in front of us, the, the, the platform that he has for you. Um, as John Stott wrote this about uh, saltiness. Listen to this. When the society goes bad, we Christians tend to throw up our hands in pious horror and reproach the non-Christian world. What's going on with the world? Remember, the days are evil, the Bible says. That was 2,000 years ago. I think they still are today. But should we not rather reproach ourselves? John Stott says. One can hardly blame unsalted meat for going bad. Remember that salt analogy? It cannot... Do, it cannot do anything else. Salt, salt, unsalted meat will go bad. The real question, he says, is to ask, where is the salt? Where are we? We are called to influence our little corners that we, we reside in. Not the stuff way out here. Now, we can pray about the stuff way out here, 
And we can send people and we can do some bigger things. But we've got this little area right here. And God calls us to that. And I think if you want to capture what, we're, what this passage is saying, this little four verses, if I were to capture it in a, in a phrase, it's let's be a blessing that others may bless God. Let's be a blessing so others may bless God. Let's be a blessing so others bless God. That's our calling. And if salt wasn't a, a clear enough object, he uses the object of light. Now, think of this. You are light. When Jesus says that, is that not amazing? Because what else is light? Or who else is light? Jesus Christ, he is light. John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. And now he's saying in Matthew, you are light. I'm the light of the world. He goes on to say, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's a turning. There's a turning from our own way and our own self to following his way. We're not doing it perfectly. But there's a trajectory in our hearts that we're, we're moving his direction. We're moving with him. Are you moving with him? Are you following him? Matthew had said that Jesus came into Galilee and the light shone in the darkness. This, this fulfillment of Isaiah. And now here, in the chapter later, he's saying, you know what? Yeah, the light you know, shone in the darkness. That's Jesus. But you are light as well. I was talking to somebody this week in our Bible study. We have a Bible study at the senior center, Dave and I, and Fred's there, and uh, a few other uh, people, and some people from other churches, and people not churched, and we're having a great time. And, and one of the, this retired pastor said, you know, the moon doesn't create the light. It shines light on us, but it doesn't create the light. The light actually comes from millions of miles away from the sun, hits the moon, and then it comes a million miles to us. And, and we're in the same way. We're not creating this light. We're just letting the light shine. We're like the windows here that are just, it's just letting light in. Or if we had a mirror here, it's just reflecting the light on it. And so you have the opportunity, wherever you, you are, your little home or your, your, your neighborhood, your, your, your workplace, your school, you have an opportunity to be light, to be Jesus. Yeah, there's that phrase, you know, people may never open their Bible, but they may see you and read the, the Bible through you. Or they may not meet Jesus, but, you know, they may see Jesus in you. You are light. What does that look like? Paul put it this way. This is a longer passage, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen for the light metaphor this in, in here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, not by our own strength, we don't lose heart. We've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, the good news is veiled, it's, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light, or that word light is, of the gospel, the good news, that's what gospel means, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim, it's not ourselves, it's not about us, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of the darkness. 
He says, in the beginning, let there be light. God says that. But you know what he also says? He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is inside his followers. It's inside you, his followers. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, Paul goes on, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's about his power. We are afflicted in every way, and maybe you've been afflicted, but not crushed. Perplexed, maybe you've been perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted. Some have been persecuted here, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. So we have this opportunity, again, to carry the light of Christ where we go. In high school, I, uh, I had a friend, and we would get together and pray. I knew I could not do the Christian life and do what the Bible says without help. And I didn't know where to turn, so I found guy friends, and we would sit and we'd pray, talk about the Bible. We'd meet maybe once a week, um, and I was with Jonathan. We're in his house, and we're praying. And I'd read in Old Testament about Moses. Moses goes into the tabernacle while they're journeying through the wilderness, and there they have um, the presence of the Lord in the Ark of the Covenant. And he encounters the Lord in this powerful, profound way. And when he leaves... When he leaves, his face, do you remember, is just shining. So they have to wear, he has to wear a veil to be in front of people. And uh, he does this again and again. And I thought, wouldn't that be cool if I had my face and it was just like shining? And, uh, you know, we pray. I'm praying for this because I believe it. You know, I'm thinking if I believe it and it's there, it, should, it, should, it could happen. Um, I leave the, you know, we, 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 we get out and we, we, I see his mom. She doesn't say anything. You know, maybe the next day I wake up, look in the mirror. There's no difference. Go to breakfast, the dog, my mom, my family, like they don't see anything different. But this veil that's taking us away, you know, it's God's glory is here. Moses goes in. You can't get in. You can't be there because there's, this, there's a wall dividing it. What, what happens when Jesus dies on the cross, the dividing wall, there's this dividing wall, it, it's torn in two. And the access to God is made possible for us. And there is no more veil. And maybe, maybe you know, maybe I was, I, you know, this is kind of a high school mind thinking about things in, in my little mind, thinking my, my way, how things might work. But the reality is, if I'm a follower of Jesus, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is on me, in me, whether people see it or not, whether I see it or not. If we're following Jesus, we have some, the, this access to God and we have Christ in us that the world might see and be blessed and praise his name. It's it's quite astounding, and he's calling you salt and light. We are ambassadors, so we let the light shine. So what does that look like? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, talks about this, um, this light shining in us. And so we talk about speech. Our speech can be salty. Our speech can shine the light of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved... So Paul's talking to the church in this Grecian area, a city named Philippi. As you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my, as in my presence when he was there, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. It is God who works in you. 
So when we are blessing others and letting the light shine, again, we're not creating the light. God is just shining through us. We've removed this barrier of ourselves and he is working in us to will and to work his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You think today's crooked and twisted. He was thinking his day is crooked, crooked and twisted. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. The reality is the darker our world gets, the brighter our light shines. So, you know, I have this match here, and it's like that, that shines pretty light, pretty bright. But if we turned out the lights and, and blanketed the windows, that light's going to shine super bright. So if, as our world, you know, you, you get all riled up with me, and you're like, man, what's going on with the world? These are, this is horrible. Well, as we shine our light, the light will just get brighter and brighter and brighter. It's, it's pretty remarkable where we've experienced the, the mercy and grace and love of God and we start sharing that mercy and grace and love and people are saying, what's wrong with you? What's different? It's quite amazing. So why would we do this? Because the Bible tells us to. Why would we do this? Because we've been blessed. If you're a follower of Jesus, if, if you met Jesus, he is, he, what has he done? What has he done for you? He came and lived a perfect life and died the sinner's death, right? He, we were enemies, you know, doing our own thing, going our own way, and he, he gives up himself for you. He forgives us our sins and not only calls, you know, reconciles us, but he calls us friends. And not only friends, he calls us family. And if we're family, then there's this inheritance uh, that won't perish, spoil, or fade that's kept in heaven for us. We have the deposit of that, that inheritance within us, the Holy Spirit, right now. And so we have the Holy Spirit in us so that you can go and walk by faith and the Lord allows you to be kind in a situation where it's hard to be kind. You can be patient, where you don't want to be patient, where you can be selfless, where you, don't want, where you want to be selfish. Where like, the Lord has given us this power and it's him who works in us. So we, first of all, he calls us to do it. Secondly, look at what he's done. The third motivation would be we bless because this is what we're made to do. This is what we're made to do. Ephesians says that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. And, and there can be this confusion. We're doing this. We're not doing this to earn his favor. We're not doing this to save ourselves. We're doing this because of gratitude. In chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift. A gift of God, not a result of work so that no one will boast. Why? We're his workmanship. He made us for a purpose. What's your purpose? You're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in it. You know, I, I've struggled over the years, not so much now as much, but what is the will of the Lord? Especially when we're kind of single, you know, you're, you're, I'm trying to figure out my job, trying to figure out my college, trying to find my major you know, all these, these major life decisions. What's God's will? What's God's will? What's... Here's his will. It's we're created for good works. We're created to bless. We're created to serve. We're created to love. God made us salt and light to be salty and to shine his love for the watching world to see. We are to be a blessing so others may bless God. In Ephesians chapter 5, it goes on to reinforce this. Be imitators of God. 
as he's done this, you're doing this to others. As beloved children, you are fragrant offers, offering, a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. You're saints, so let's live like it. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So you think about speech, salty speech, shining speech, be thankful. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who's sexually immoral or impure, who's covetousness, that's an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, don't be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So we, we all were there. If, you, if, you, if you're following the Lord, there was a time we weren't following the Lord. And we were darkness. We were in the darkness. But now we are in the Lord. We are light in the Lord. So let's walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. So let's be salty. Let's be filled with light, shining with what is good and right and true. Be a blessing. So others may bless God. So what does that look like? Well, you know, we can keep, if we, if we keep coming back, keep listening to our messages, we're going to be going through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is going to unpack what does it look like to follow him into his kingdom. But what do we do today? So here's three words or three sayings. Be open, be aware, and be obedient. Be open, be aware, and be obedient. Be open. Just be available. Have that margin of flexibility in your day. How do I follow him? How can I shine? How can I be, be salty? Be aware. So not only have this kind of bandwidth for that, you know, that extra interruption, but, but be aware. There may be something where God brings some, some interruption in your life for an opportunity for you to shine the light of Christ, to be that, that enhancement, that, that, that preservative, that blessing to others. That, that why? That others may bless God. Be open be aware, be obedient, and then step forward. Walk as a ch child of the light. Walk in the light. And people may bless God. Or they may not. You see that word may? It's kind of like it may happen. It may not happen. Do you remember last week? I don't know if you caught that. What's at the end of the Beatitudes, who are blessed? Do you remember? Who are the last people to be blessed? Kind of hear it. Persecuted. That's kind of like, man, I don't feel blessed when I'm persecuted. If, when everyone says something false about you, you're blessed. That doesn't seem right. But he says it. And that's the reality. You can step out in faith. Hey, I'm going to step out in faith today. I'm going to go, I'm going to do something hard. I'm going to be loving to the person I don't really want to love. I'm going to say something nice. And you could get, you know, some flack for it, right? And that, has that happened to you? It happens. Um, and it happened in uh, 1555, October 16th. Uh, this 70-year-old named Hugh Latimer, so Hugh Latimer was a pastor, and another guy named Nicholas Ridley, 50-year-old. I don't know what your ages are, but they both were following the Lord, following Jesus. They're trying to bless others and share their faith. And they're confronted by the government. The government says, you can't do that. 
You're not conforming to our perspective on Christianity. You need, you need to stop. They preached at them for 15 minutes. They're in Oxford Street, England, and, and they wouldn't conform. They wouldn't capitulate. They wouldn't back down. They're like, we're going to be faithful. We're going to bless others. We're going to follow Jesus. And so they, they tie gunpowder around their necks. They put a pile of wood around them. And, and uh, before the flame is lit or before they burn to death, this is what Latimer says to Ridley. Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as shall never be put out. And they burn to death. And their life of faithfulness and commitment to following the Lord who forgave them their sins and died on the cross for them and they followed lives on and those who burn them don't. And the message of Christianity spreads. They may, they may praise you. They may, praise, they may thank you. They may praise the Father in heaven because of you. Or they may burn you. What are we going to do? We are just to be salt. We are to be light. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me invite you <laughs> to join this incredible journey. To recognize there is someone who loves you better than anyone else can love you in the world. He loves you so much that knowing you would run the other way, he died on the cross for your sins. And he did that to pay the price of sin by his life, suffering God's wrath. And he forgives you and offers you hope everlasting and help for the day, the difficulty that you face. He is the true king who reigns supreme and is most glorious and worthy of our praise and worthy of the world's praise and honor. And one day every knee will bow and in tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's, let's be salt. Let's be light. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us follow you into your kingdom when it's easy and when it's hard. Help us this week to know what that looks like. Help us be salty and shining the light of Christ so that the world may know your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.